0: Welcome back to the McCann Dogs podcast. We This is episode 25. We are at the quarter century of podcasts, and uh, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, with me, as always, is our director of online training at McCann Professional Dog Trainers, Shannon Jasso. and thanks for joining me, Shannon.
1: Thanks for having me. Hi, everybody.
0: I want to talk about why food fails in training today and Shannon you've written a great blog post uh, and I'll include a link to it in the show notes below but I know uh, having helped thousands of dogs to be well-behaved family members that food can be a very valuable tool it's a currency that a lot of dogs understand it's a resource that they value but I know that sometimes if used inappropriately or incorrectly it can create other problems, and you. Uh, l- l- and we'll talk about those coming right up. My name's Ken Steep, and welcome back to McCann Dogs. <laughs> So Shannon, this is our 25th podcast and uh, I'm excited to be at this point. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. We, uh, we had uh, weren't really sure where, what direction we were taking with our podcast, but the more uh, people we get uh, talking about our podcast and asking us questions, uh, it gets exciting and, and it gives us some direction. And it's also a great opportunity to help people understand the why around dog training.
1: Definitely. Definitely. And that's so important for developing yourself as a future dog, dog trainer is understanding the why. So never wasted time reading and learning about dogs and for listening sure. in this case.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, whether it's experience or, uh, you know, uh, whether it's learning through a podcast on a video, reading articles, it's all quite helpful, but knowing how to apply it is the key when it comes to dog training. And the big why today is why food fails in dog training. And we use food as uh, you know, a, a reward for our dogs doing some great behaviors at McCann Professional Dog Trainers. But Shannon, let's talk today about why sometimes people feel like food might not be the answer.
1: Yeah. So as you said, food is a great way to work with your dog to At that currency, as you said, it's such an important thing to have something that the dog values and actually, interesting story in 1982 when Deb and Marty McCann started McCann versus McCann back then, which eventually became McCann Professional Dog Trainers. But the reason that they started was that the club that they were training with was very old school methods and did not allow the use of food in their training school. So in order to get away from simply punitive measures and move towards something that Deb and Marty knew was really valuable. Deb and Marty saw the writing on the wall. They saw that the food trainers were getting amazing results from their dogs and they wanted to get into that world. So they moved away from the club that they were training with and they started McCann versus McCann. So... We have a very, very deep and long history rooted in the use of food in dog training. And I'll tell you for certain, if food fails you in dog training, it's because there's something there, whether it's a mechanical thing, whether it's a timing thing, there is some reason that it's not working for you. It's not the method itself. So I, I think we're, we're very far beyond the point where people are thinking that they can never feed their dogs in their dog training situations. But I'm sure that there's still situations where people are running into trouble and they're questioning, you know, it, it, this isn't working for me. So is food really a valuable thing in dog training? And the answer is yes. You just maybe need a little bit of refinement in order to make it work for your dog. And the really important part of that is using it as a reward instead of a lure or a bribe. And we'll get into that, of course.
0: Yeah, I think people need to be really self-aware. And again, as I mentioned earlier, we really try to educate um, as a dog owner, educate ourselves by reading uh, articles, watching videos, listening to podcasts and all the like, but you really need to be self-aware when you're training your dog. You, you really need to be, um, you know, knowing uh, how good your timing is. And I often find sometimes if I videotape myself or I have another instructor critique something that I'm working on, uh, it can be really, really helpful. And knowing the difference uh, between a reward and a lure is a pretty big part of that. So let's, Talk about the proper way that you would use food in dog training.
1: Definitely. So, the reward portion of things is the it, valuable item that comes after you've performed something that somebody likes. So, for example, you come to work for two weeks. And then at the end of that two weeks, you get a paycheck for it. So you've learned that you put in the the work and the effort first and then rewards come. The luring aspect is when you're actually using. So if somebody was dangling $20 in front of you while you were trying to sleep in on a Monday morning and said, hey, maybe more than $20 would be necessary to get us out of bed. But
0: it depends WC, how tired you were.
1: It's the principle of the argument. So yeah, so if somebody's dangling $20 in front of you to say, hey, get out of bed and come to work, you're always going to need that $20 dangling in front of you as incentive to get out of bed, as opposed to the person that gets out of bed, goes to work, puts in the hard work, and then gets the reward after the fact, or gets the paycheck after the fact. So I think it's really important to define those terms first and exactly what the difference is between luring and rewarding and then what we need to do is make sure that the lure only comes in as long as that we're uh, in in as long of a time as we're spending teaching our dog that particular skill so for example just to keep things simple let's use a sit for example I've got a baby puppy that knows nothing he comes home the first thing I want to teach him is sit so I've got my cookies and I'm going to teach him the position first so actually with my mouth completely buttoned, because I don't want to use any commands until my dog knows and understands the position. I'm going to use food to teach him to sit. Without saying anything, I'll just put it on his nose and lure him in such a manner that his butt hits the ground and as soon as his butt hits the ground, I'm going to mark it somehow, whether that's with a, a conditioned word like yes or a clicker you're going to mark that behavior and release the treat. So the first thing I'm doing is I'm spending time teaching my dog what the sit position is because as much as we think dogs know things already, they don't know how to identify those things. So my dog knows how to sit on his own. He knows how to physically get into that position, but he doesn't know how to do it when I've asked him to. So this is the information I'm trying to convey. Once my dog has learned how to physically get maneuvered into the sit, and that might be, you know, I might spend three to five repetitions in a training session, luring him into the sit. And then once I understand, or once I see that he understands how to quickly get into that position, now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start to pair it with either a signal or a cue so that I can take away that food lure. So now I'm gonna go from luring with the sit to saying sit, and then one second later, presenting my food to lure. And that gives me the ability to drop the lure. Okay, and that's what I want to do. I want to be able to have my dog anticipate on that verbal cue and get into position so they're not waiting for the lure. And as soon as I see that happening, now my food goes away. It's no longer in the picture until I've successfully gotten the behavior that I'm asking for from my, from my dog. So in that same situation, uh, I'm sitting in the living room. I've done my repetitions of lure. Now I've added my cue and it might be, you know, this might be repetition over a week or two. It might not be one training session, but now I'm going to say sit follow through with my lure my dog gets it right then he gets the reward. I can still mark and release that treat. Once I get to that point now I'm just going to say sit and I might help him with a signal but I'm not going to have the food in my hand but once his butt hits the ground my marker comes so I'm still going to say yes or use my clicker then I'm going to reach into my pocket or my bait pouch wherever it is that my food is stored and I'm going to reward from there. So now I've said you have to give me the behavior first and if you do you get a really big reward for that.
0: Yeah. And I think um, sometimes I see people struggle because they uh, maybe they stick with the food luring too long. They forget the step where you uh, move away from always holding food in your hand. The other thing I'll see is when they do, uh, they are using food. The first thing and they're trying to add a cue to it. The first thing they'll do is put the food on the dog's nose. And, And at that point, your dog is thinking about that food. They're not thinking about that word. And that's an important distinction to be aware of because with, if your timing is off just a little bit, it really makes it a lot harder for your dog to begin to understand what the cue might mean.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's like somebody asking me what time it is while they're shoving a huge cone of chocolate ice cream in my face. I'm probably gonna go, pardon? What what did you ask me? Because I'm focused on that ice cream. (laughs) So having your hands even, being very aware and having them out of the picture completely, watching your timing say sit, then reach in with the food. So there's always gonna be that slight pause in there and that allows your dog to process the cue and then see the behavior that you're showing them.
0: You talk a little bit in your article about randomizing the rewards in dog training and uh, I think that is such an important thing and I think that's really what what part of you know freeing yourself from always having to have food in your hand is, is randomizing those rewards and let's talk about the value of that when it comes to training your dog.
1: And this really is what is going to build super sharp, super, super fast and fun responses from your dogs. Uh, Think about how you feel when you go into a casino, you know, hopefully, hopefully that's a good analogy for everybody. Everybody, um, everybody wants to win at the casino. Everybody's all excited to win at the casino. And even if you lose repetitively, sometimes you still get stuck in that that pattern of addiction where you don't care that you're losing all your money, you're just wanting that random win. it's a very, very powerful psychological trigger both for humans and dogs. Much more powerful than being rewarded every single time. So while you're in the training phase, you're going to use copious amounts of rewards. That's that's a given without question. However, as you're refining your skills, so my um, eight-week-old puppy might need rewards every time I ask for a sit. However, my eight-year-old dog probably needs a reward once every six months for just the sit behavior, and that is something that's going to build on those behaviors, your recall, your response to name, all of your important skills. If it's the same reward every single time, it's more like going to a bank machine and withdrawing cash. You know, when was the last time you got an excited rush when you went to the bank machine to take out cash it's predictable it's the same thing every time i say i want $20 out of the atm the atm gives me $20 there's no point in any of that where i get excited where it's a surprise you know if i went to the atm and you know every fifth time i said i wanted $20 and it spat out 100 That's exciting and I'm probably going to go to the ATM more and more and drain my bank account, but (laughs) I'm probably going to go and keep asking for that $20 in hopes that I get that $100 payout. So same thing with our dogs. They're going to give you harder and harder responses or, or better and better rather responses each and every time. So if you call come and they turn on a dime and you get in a huge reinforcement for that and then the next time... You call, come, they turn on a dime and you praise and play with them and have a little game. And then the next time you call them in and they get a great belly rub and a butt scratch. And the next time it's a big toy. If you vary the rewards, it's going to build your dog's drive and desire. And it's going to build on the effort as well that they put in when they hear those cues.
0: And I think this is really important for those of you guys in our podcast audience who might be working on teaching your dog to walk on a leash without pulling. Um, so often I'll see students who aren't even aware they're doing it, but they're, they've are they always got their hand in front of their dog's nose or they've always got food. Uh, it's like the donkey and carrot thing. They've always got that food there. So if you start to randomize, you, you, know, you get some repetition with the dog in a great position and you're rewarding them lots, then they really begin to understand that position and you can begin to randomize those rewards and it will allow you to not have to always flash that stop sign when you're walking down the street now what made me think of walking on a loose leash is sometimes if you hit a stumbling block and I want to talk specifically about walking on a loose leash sometimes you might need to uh, take a step back with your food uh, training as you're as you're training this skill and you might find that maybe there's a really stimulating environment where your dog's beginning to struggle and you need to go from uh, randomizing the reward to rewarding your dog a little bit more often for maintaining that good position but I think it's really important that we don't think that uh, if we've got one skill down or or we've moved past some point in our training that we can't take a step back sometimes and and walking a loose leash is a really important one because I know it's something that a lot of people struggle with.
1: Yeah definitely we can and should take steps back in our dog training and that should happen if you start to see something lacks in your dog training you know and Ned at this point is just over 15 months old, he's my youngster and he has some really great skills but since this heat wave that's come up, I've noticed that he's been a little bit slower turning on his response to name so I've made note of that and I need to take a step back in my dog training and remember that he is just an adolescent and at this point there's still all sorts of variables in the way he's thinking so I have now taken a little bit of a step back and I'm retracing some of the steps that I, I had taken when I got him to the point where I was thrilled with his response to name, sometimes things will start to slip. It's absolutely normal and it's, it's sort of human nature and, and we always know it, it. it's us that does it. You know, I have at some point without really being fully aware of it, I've allowed him to get a little bit lax on his response to name, so no problem. I just need to go back and I need to retrain that a little bit and I need to really reinforce that skill again to get back to the point where I find it is absolutely 100% reliable and that is what we do as good dog trainers. You know, we we analyze the situation and we don't we don't get mad. We don't say, "You know what? My dog uh, he was great. He was turning on his name 100% and now all of a sudden he's ignoring me and well, I give up." Yeah, you know, that's definitely not going to uh, not going to cut the mustard. It's just like kids you know they go through through various stages of learning they're going to go through various things in their training and their development and as a good dog trainer i'm always going to analyze take a step back and fix what i need to fix the other time you need to take a step back in your dog training that's very important is as you were mentioning situational things so for example my dog working in the living room my, my young puppy working on the in the living room on that sit command he's probably gonna have a great opportunity to learn that cue thoroughly from step to fin- from start to finish. However, if I then take that dog out to the park and there's other dogs and there's other people in that environment, I'm gonna go right back to the beginning. I'm gonna go right back to luring with food on his nose. I might need to go to the absolute back of the park where I'm as far away from those distractions as possible. Or I might need to acknowledge that my dog's not ready for that environment and find a little bit of a quieter environment. But I definitely need to adapt and I need to analyze where I need to be in my dog training skills and in that timeline to make sure my dog is successful. But I never want to get to the point where I'm simply relying on that food to lure and keep my dog's brain and attention because then I'll always have to rely on it. I need to adjust the other factors in the environment so that I can get to the point where my dog can sit just as beautifully in that park as he could in the living room and with the food coming as a reward rather than a lure.
0: Yeah. And I, I sort of liken it to the idea of walking your dog. You know, I wouldn't take one of our dogs from a walk from, uh, here at home down the East coast to North Carolina and think that I'm done walking my dog, that, 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 that's it. We, you know, we've had one long walk and then that's it. You know, these are things that you're going to come back to again and again. And again, as Shannon mentioned, sort of assessing your dog's, um, abilities and the, the speed of the response to name is a really important one. And sometimes we catch ourselves calling our dog's name for too often and you know, without any sort of reinforcement and when we don't need to do it. And that ends up watering down some of these commands for our dog. So, you know, be, be really, again, as I mentioned, be self-aware of what you're doing when you're working with your dog. Now, Shannon, we, McCann Professional Dog Trainers and the My Dog Can program, has some of the uh, most consistent recalls uh, available people come from all over the place to McCann dogs to get that great recall and we know that using something that's of great value uh, for your dog when you're teaching the recall is really really helpful but I want to talk about food value in dog training and you know how to uh, you know choose the best things for your dog as well as some, you know, find what that uh, high value thing is for your dog.
1: Yeah, definitely. So first off, you may have a dog that's not as naturally food motivated as some other dogs. And that makes training a little bit tricky, but not impossible by any stretch. And there's a couple of things that you can do to combat that. First off, you can find things that are not food that your dog loves. You can work with tennis balls. When eh, eh, when I'm working with Ned, I've usually got a toy, a fuzzy toy of some sort tucked down the back of my pants. I've usually got a small tennis ball in my pocket. I've usually got a really high, high value piece of food of some sort. His favorites are actually baby bells. So I'll have the baby bell in my right pocket and, you know, I I get jealous sometimes because I want to eat them, but they're for him. And then in my left pocket, I'll have, you know, the little bits of, of kibble or dryer cookies or, you know, it might even be a little bit more of an exciting treat, but it's not as great as the baby bell that I know is in my right pocket that when I'm like blown away by something that he does for me I can use that baby bell or I can use the tennis ball that would be his number one favorite reward actually so between those things I'm going to see what works for my dog and what is really building those behaviors and getting him working for me and I'm going to use his favorites of those now I can also attack from the other side and I can try to build his um his motivation for food. So I can use food in such a way that it's of higher value for him, which means things like free feeding. Um, Free feeding is the act of of leaving the bowl down so that your dog can come and go as they please. And that sends your dog a couple of really bad messages. First off, it says that they're sort of in control of their own food. And you lose that as a resource. It also says to your dog, the food is always uh, always available, and it doesn't hold value because of that so what we want to do rather than allowing them to come and go and graze we want to have set meal times you know put down an appropriate amount of food because a lot of the times when dogs free feed it's because we've filled up the bowl and put it down, and they've eaten their fill and then gone away. And again, they learn that that food's always there and therefore not valuable, and they don't need to um, they don't need to really be excited about it being there. So make sure it's an appropriate amount, and that is the amount that your dog is going to eat within that meal and no more. So you don't want them ever thinking, "Okay, I'm satiated, I'm full," and walking away from that food bowl. Another reason for that is that they will put on weight probably if they're if they're monitoring their own feeding they will probably put on weight. And even if they're not completely finishing the bowl, you do not want your dog to be carrying around any extra weight. It's definitely unhealthy for them. So no free feeding. Um, you're going to offer the food at set meal times, And if they haven't finished everything in the bowl, that gives you great information. It says they didn't need that much food. You're going to measure what's left and make sure their next meal time they only get the, the amount that they ate. Okay. The other things that you can do is, sorry, were you going to say something?
0: Well, I just, I wanted to talk about free feeding for a second. Uh, the other thing that immediately springs to mind is that when we are, uh, when, when there's something wrong with one of our dogs, if they've got an upset stomach, if they, if they have some, uh, you know, enteritis, GI issues, uh, we'll know because their food habits will change. And if you're free feeding your dog all the time, then you you won't see those changes in their uh, feeding habits. You, you know, you may not know how much or what they have been eating and then that's such an important thing as you know a healthcare professional my mind automatically goes there but uh you know increasing that food value uh in your dog's training it it would just it just makes sense to me that if they think that there's a resource like that available all the time then why work for it you know if if i were getting paid regardless of whether i was going to work or not then uh, why go to work
1: definitely absolutely and that is such an important point that you made i would immediately be concerned if either of my dogs didn't want to eat their food, because I know both of those dogs are really good eaters. They will clean their bowls every single time. It gives me immediate feedback that there is something wrong if they don't go right for their food and finish it off completely. So that's an excellent point, very good. take an honest inventory of your dog's weight as well if they are overweight they might not find value in the food because they're obviously getting too much so if your dog is a little bit overweight you need to talk to your vet to get on a plan to safely take that weight off of them so so important you know it's it's too much on their joints it's it's just too much for them to carry around it creates a very unhealthy situation so keep them at a really healthy weight Set meal times, make that list of their favorite rewards and have those at the ready to build value for the food. And your dog, as well, I find that within about I would say within about 3 weeks of having a puppy home, I find that my puppy has learned to associate the value of food with the value of work. So those two things become they 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 bounce off each other to make each thing valuable because puppies love to play and we make our work into into fun things. Teaching the recall is a fun thing we don't uh we don't want it to be you must come here now we want that dog to be joyful in coming when they're called and getting lots of great rewards so it ends up being a situation where those two things transfer value to each other they love work because of food and they love food because of work so makes it uh makes it a win-win
0: so you and i have talked about this in the past and uh I think we should probably mention it again because I know that uh, maybe if someone hasn't heard this before, talk about how you might assess, how how you would um, quantify the value of these treats for your dog. When you talked about having your dog's top five food rewards, how would someone know that?
1: Right. So so some things are really obvious, you know, if you're in the kitchen and you're cooking and your dog uh, suddenly appears when you take out the cheese or or a certain aroma that you're using, uh, make note of that. You know, those are good things to think, oh, you know, what? I think you really like the smell of cheese. So maybe you'll like the taste of cheese. But I also like to do a little experiment with my dogs and I'll do it several times throughout their life because just like us, um, I would say five years ago, I started really loving spicy food before that in my life never ate spicy food, was terrified of it. So your dog's tastes are gonna change just like mine did for whatever strange reason they do. So you might um, several times through their life put a piece of wiener on the floor and then three or four feet from that put a piece of cheese three or four feet from that put a piece of beef and let your dog go to them see which ones first off see which ones they go to first because remembering that their noses are beyond powerful they are not using their eyes to find that treat they're using their nose to follow it to it So the first one they go to, that's usually a good hint that says, you know, say they went to the cheese. Well, the cheese is going to be number one on that reward level. The other thing is see where they spend time coming back to search for more. So if they eat the cheese and then move on to the beef and then move on to the wiener and everything's cleaned up, now if they return to where the cheese was and keep sniffing around to see if there's more, again, that's an indication that says, oh, Dog really, really likes that cheese. He's looking for more on that. So, and just keep a mental note, or actually, I keep physical notes of everything because that helps me keep things straight across each dog. And it also gives me information to add to my training journals to look back on later. You know, there's all sorts of great things that I've come across training my next dog where I'm like, oh, I forgot I used that as a reward. I'm going to see if this dog really likes that reward too. So, it's really helpful for you in the future.
0: Yeah. And, and knowing that um, how powerful we, we talked about this list in uh, our my dog can program. It's the online uh, family obedience training from McCann professional dog trainers. And Shannon's actually the director of that program. We know how valuable that food can be and uh, the success that our students will have understanding those top five rewards for their dog and in using them interchangeably or choosing the top two for some skill that they're working extra hard on. Can we talk really quickly just for a minute about the my dog can program Shannon.
1: Yeah, so my dog Ken is our online version of, and every time I say that I have to stop myself from giggling because it sounds like I'm saying my dog Ken, yes. and I did not name my dog Ken. No, <laughs> so yeah, no, and
0: that was mentioned to me in a previous uh, podcast, how much it sounded like you were saying my dog Ken, <laughs> and maybe why I take I that extra pause.
1: Name. Yeah, next time I'm, I'm naming my dog Ken, just so that <laughs> there's no confusion, it yeah. really is my dog Ken. Yeah. Um, so My Dog Can is our grade one program adapted for an online environment. It teaches coming when called regardless of distractions, walking nicely with you on leash, not pulling you, and stationary exercises, sitting down stays are included in that as well. There's all sorts of other things that we've added to that program also. We've got um, leave it skills. So if you drop something on the floor in the kitchen that you know your dog can't have, you can stop them in their tracks by saying leave it. We teach drop it so that if they happen to have something in their mouth they shouldn't they're going to spit that out on cue Um, we teach tug we teach the out cue with that tug there's so many things that we've added to that program to help to help bridge the gap so that, you know, when you're doing your recall exercise, for example, you can use the toy as a reward and you can play a vigorous game of tug and you can get the toy back when the, uh, the time for that reward is over without having to fight with the dog. So a lot of the times in class, you know, we'll have um, we have a play and settle exercise that we use in class where we encourage people to play and roughhouse with their dog and have fun so that they can then turn that off. So they can stand up and they can say, settle, sit. And the dog knows, okay, I'm going to stop playing now. I'm going to sit. And then they get rewarded for that as well. And oftentimes people say, oh, I don't want to play with him because he bites at me when he plays or he jumps on me when he plays. And we we don't want to ever try to ignore these behaviors and just hope they never happen, we wanna work through them. We wanna teach our dog that, you know what? Yeah, you can have fun playing with me, but these are the rules. You can't jump up on me because you might knock me over if you're a Leonberger, for example. Um, If you're a Chihuahua, maybe you can jump up on me and that's okay, but those are all rules that you're gonna decide, and, and, and within those games, we can teach our dogs what we want them to do to interact with us, and then we can create an off switch so that we're not avoiding and hoping things never happen. We are dealing with and teaching our dogs so that they can be right and it's fair because we're training them we're telling them this is okay this is not okay and then they get to live and enjoy life they don't always have to be worried about oh I can't play with you because you know you get angry when I play with you because I play in the way that I want to play and you haven't taught me any differently sort of thing so there's so many things that we work on and we teach our dogs in that my dog can program Um, with the three main skills the recall walking on lead and stays we teach those over an eight, over eight weeks of lessons. So we send you a video, a video lesson each week for each of those skills over eight weeks. But you have four months to access it. So if you're busy one week or if you need more time on a certain week of progress, you've got it you know you're not just going to get to the end of the eight weeks and if you've fallen behind you're done with the program it's four months that you have access to that so you can spend lots of time in it and you can be as thorough as you need to be to train your dog to be completely reliable if you run into snags the support is there like like we've talked about so many times our facebook my dog can group is active and we talk about all sorts of things all of the time to clarify how to think like a dog and how to communicate with your dog. Um, but we also have support from phone, from email, you can call our office. All of our all of the people that answer the phones in the office are fantastic dog trainers. You can call and specifically speak to me if you want to, you can email, you can send videos to the Facebook group, you can send videos privately to us if you want. Our goal in My Dog Ken is to help your dogs be great four-legged family members. That's our goal. So we're never going to cut off the support. We're always going to be there to help troubleshoot through things in whatever method works right for you.
0: And I think that's so um, so much fun for me as a trainer and, and one of the uh, trainers in the My Dog Can program is that if someone has an issue on late on a Friday afternoon of a long weekend, uh, in other circumstances it would be hard to reach out, but uh, with McCann Professional Dog Trainers and more specifically the My Dog Can program, we can help you. You know, all you need to do is ask that question through uh, on the Facebook group, for example, or you know, reach out to us via email. And, and you know, it's like having a dog trainer uh, in your back pocket should you need it and we often see questions there not specifically about dog training but just about questions about dogs and having helped over 80,000 dogs to be good family members. We have, there's a great depth of knowledge there, uh, you know, that we can draw from. And, uh, it, it, it we, it's very infrequent these days that we see a situation or a scenario or get asked a question where we think, geez, I hadn't thought of that or I haven't been asked that before. So, you know, uh, having access to the community, having access to the trainers and the knowledge at McCann, McCann professional dog trainers is such an advantage of the, my dog can program. And I will yeah, leave and, a link. Go ahead.
1: Sorry, I was just gonna say, and just like if if they're reaching out to us and it does happen to be a situation where we think, oh, that's a that's a perplexing situation, We have a great brain trust around here. Um We've talked about this before as well, but we meet the 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 um, full- time staff meet every Wednesday and we talk for usually two to three hours about all the classes all the dogs in classes and we digress more often than anything to talk about dog training things and to analyze something that maybe happened in class that you know that was very bizarre what do you what's your take on this and we troubleshoot back and forth and we bounce ideas off each other so you know the my dog can students have us as a brain trust and then this whole support section of people behind us that are raring to jump in and help with dogs as well because that's what we do. We love dogs and we love talking dogs and we love talking dog training. So, yeah.
0: Absolutely. And I will leave a link to the My Dog Can program in the show notes below, whether you're on um, iTunes or Anchor or SoundCloud or wherever, you can check out that My Dog Can program and actually take the first lesson for free. You know, get started getting, uh, having that well-behaved dog that you're confident to uh, take to the park, that you're not worried that they're going to be running out the door and running away. Get started training and, and, uh, you know, I will see you there once, once you're, you're uh, in the program. But on that note, Shannon, I want to thank you for joining us today. I think we provided a lot of insight and I think you made a lot of really, really great points about why food may fail in dog training for some people. Uh, And happy 25th episode of the podcast. I think this was a a fun one. And um, I want to wish our podcast audience uh, uh, have a great day and thank you guys for listening. We do appreciate every single play that we see in those downloads. But on that note, I'm Ken. Happy training. Bye for now. Bye, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the McCann Dogs podcast and if you'd like some more training resources be sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at McCann Dogs and if you'd like to train with us online be sure to check out the show notes below for our My Dog Can online training program where we know in just a few weeks your dog will become a well-behaved family member. Until then, happy training!